So whoever thought it was a good idea to put all of those pictures of food in the bumper video for the 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting uh, sermon series, they're a cruel person. I don't think it was a very loving decision of them. It's like a teaser for all of the like joy and happiness that, uh, that I can't have right now. It makes me feel actually kind of like I'm back uh, in Nepal with Mike. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of joy and happiness when you're with Mike, period. But when you go over there with, with him to Nepal, uh, that's a whole other story. Uh, so we were there on a missions trip to these unreached villages in the Himalayan mountains. And on the way there, we spent like three days in Bangkok, Thailand, uh, before flying into Kathmandu. And uh, this was my first time uh, as an adult being in a major city. So the very first thing I noticed when we got to Bangkok was how filthy the place was. Like, I was thoroughly disgusted with the absolute uh, just filth that this city had. And it felt just claustrophobic to this kid from Alaska. And the smells that I encountered walking down the streets, they just assaulted my senses. Like, every time uh, that I was about to eat a meal, I would wonder, is this one going to be my last? And then we touched down in Kathmandu. And I realized just how good we had had it back in Bangkok. For 10 days, my standard of cleanliness was just broken down. Uh, For 10 days, rice and lentils was all that was on the menu. Rice and lentils cooked in a black cauldron over an open fire by people who had no seemingly concept of soap and water. No clue of what hygiene uh, meant. The, the germs that were probably in the food, they were just added seasoning for us, and we should be grateful for it because these mountain villagers, they were gracious enough to share their food with us. They were sharing their own rations of rice and lentils with us, and that was all that was on the menu. I struggled at each meal to not wanting to be a stuck-up American, picking at the food and risking offending uh, these people who were very much less fortunate than I was. These people who, out of the kindness of their hearts, were sharing their sustenance with me. But I also wanted to preserve my life. I, wa- I wanted to make it back home. I was like, I have, I have a wife and kids to take care of. I want to see them again. So I never ate more than what I was given in my first, uh, in, in my first helping and the small portions that we were given each meal, uh, they, they were satisfying enough. And this trip built some strong patterns of prayer in my life because during those 10 days, I was begging God, please, Lord, bless this food and kill any germs uh, that might be in it and preserve my life. Let me hold on for just one more day. And I was constantly hungry for more, but I never once asked for more than I was given, not wanting to expose myself to a greater risk. And by, by day five or six, I was over it. I figured, you know what? If I'm going to get sick, I'm going to get sick. There's nothing I can do about it. I better just embrace this difficult situation. Uh, it's not like I was going to 
risk starving myself on this grueling trek through the Himalayan mountains. So I made it. I persevered. And on our final two days in Nepal, when we were back in the city of Kathmandu and everyone was doing the tourist thing, I was laying in bed sick, literally thinking that I might just die right there. I was like, this is my punishment for not wanting to insult the various hosts that we had while we were out on the trail. Or, or maybe this is my reward for all those sick people that I prayed for uh, that, that, that I, when I had the opportunity to preach at that little church on the outskirts of the city. And then when we flew back to Bangkok, when we got back there, I literally jumped out of the plane and hit the ground and was kissing the ground because I, my, my perspective had shifted and this was now the most beautiful, clean, awesome place that I could think to be at that moment in my life. And my hunger pains were satisfied by bland burgers from the Sizzler in the mall and Swenson's ice cream. And this, this concept... Bree's been to Sizzler and, and Swenson's in Bangkok. This concept of gratitude, it's not just a vital part of our life, but it should be a vital part of our prayer life. And today, we're going to be diving into this idea of gratitude in a message that I struggled with the title, but I'm calling it Embracing the Hunger and not Embracing Other Things that we may experience during times of trial. Today's message is embracing the hunger. And in this past month, we've dissected several different elements of prayer. And we've discovered that our petitions to God, they, they aren't simply, oh, Lord, would you, Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want more, more, more. Lord, take away all of these hard things in my life, Lord, because I don't want to deal with them. Lord, I want this thing, I want it for my life, and I want it now. Our prayers are so much more than that. Our prayer life should start off with humility. After we've humbled ourselves through the practice of confession, and after we've recognized that it is Jesus, we've confessed that it is Jesus above all else in this world that we need, then we must declare our praises to him. We must praise him for who he is. We should praise God simply and only because he is great and he is greatly to be praised. He is worthy of all the praise that we could ever muster in our life. And then, then we make, make our requests known. Then we lift up our petitions. And our petitions, they should be for more of God. Our petition to the, petitions to the Lord, they should express our desire for God's will to be played out in our life. This is an integral part of our relationship with him, getting to know him more and having him work more in our lives. And that's, that's what we've been diving into. That's what we've been seeking in this 21 days where we've been setting this time aside intentionally to seek God for greater things for us in our lives and in the life of our community. We want to know him deeply. We want to build stronger patterns of prayer in our lives right here and right now. 
And then we should be gracious to him. We should show God our gratitude. And our gratitude for what God has done in our lives should move us to action. Paul makes it very clear to us in in several of his letters, but in his letter to the Thessalonians, he makes it clear that we can be grateful no matter what circumstance that we find ourselves in. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul writes, give thanks in all circumstances. Not just the fun ones, not just the ones where you're getting blessed and you're getting everything you want. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is his will, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Giving thanks in all circumstances is his will for you. Paul is exhorting those who would read his letter that in all circumstances, you can find a reason to be grateful. You can muster up some gratitude to God despite the circumstance you find yourself in. It's literally the will of God for you in your life that you are grateful no matter what is happening around you. Regardless of whatever difficult situation that you may find yourself in today, you can choose gratitude. We can be grateful knowing that God works all things together for our good if we belong to him. We can be grateful that God's grace is sufficient to give us sustenance no matter where we find ourselves. We can be grateful simply knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Just before this, in verse 16 uh, of the same chapter in, in Thessalonians, in his first letter to the Thessalonians, Paul wrote to rejoice always. That doesn't mean you always have to be happy because joy and happiness, uh, they aren't actually the same. We don't have to be joyful because of the circumstance we find ourselves in, but we can be joyful in the circumstance that we find ourselves in. We can do that when we cultivate a heart that is grateful to God no matter what trial, no matter what tribulation that is happening because Being grateful can serve us greatly in our lives. It can be a catalyst for our transformation more into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. When we intentionally practice gratitude in our lives, when we intentionally acknowledge that God's grace has blessed our lives, when we look at our lives and we recognize the blessings that we do have, then we can express gratitude even in the seemingly mundane aspects of our existence. And when we do that, it can and will, it will shift our mindset significantly. It will foster a greater appreciation for the Lord in our life. It will enable us to acknowledge where the Holy Spirit has been guiding our lives all the while. Gratitude strengthens our will to walk worthy of the call that Jesus has placed on your life. When we align our will with the Father's will, When we are grateful in all things, even if we have been rejected, even if we have found ourselves in a place of being scorned, if we've found our place itself in a place of being ostracized by the community around us, there's something 
that we can be grateful for if we are in Christ Jesus. This woman that met Jesus at Jacob's well in the region of Samaria, none of those things were foreign to her. She was used to being rejected. That was her normal life. It was normal for others to dismiss her. She was accustomed to being abused by the people around her. She suffered a life as a second-class citizen simply because she was a woman in an ancient patriarchal society. She suffered further still because she was a Samaritan woman. She was considered less than. She was considered to be of a lesser race than those races that surrounded her region. She was considered to be of a half-breed race. And so the Greeks and the Jews that surrounded the region of Samaria, they considered her less than. And further still, she was ostracized by her own downtrodden people for the circumstances and the choices that surrounded her life. Because she was a woman for whatever reasons, found herself in a place of having a past, a past where she had had five husbands and she was now living with a man who wasn't her husband. Her own people looked down their noses on her. Have you ever felt like an outcast? Have you ever felt like you were on the wrong side of someone looking down their nose at you? Have you felt unwanted in your life? Have you felt rejected, despised, looked down upon? Have people that you felt, uh, that you held in high regard in your life considered you to be not good enough? Maybe you've been told in your life, you know what, your, your energy and your baggage, you know, it's just too much for me. I can't deal with you. You know, I, I felt this way. I've been told some of these things in my life. But Jesus has redeemed me. He spoke life into me when I sought him and when I sought his face, when I sought his glorious will for my life, he transformed me and my life and he's transforming the lives of those around me. And he can do that for you. He can change the circumstances of your life when you seek his face. That's exactly what we see happen with this woman at the well. Jesus, he shows up near the town of Sychar. He sends his disciples away. I think he knows this woman's coming. And he's intentional. He wants to wait for her. He knew that he couldn't let his disciples in on this one. He, he, he couldn't even let Peter and John, the, one, the ones that he took to do special things, he couldn't even let them in on it. He knew they weren't ready for it. They weren't mature enough for this yet. We, and we see that when they come back and they, and they ask him later, well, Jesus, what, do, what are you doing with this woman? She's a Samaritan woman. You're talking to her like, we, we don't do this, Jesus. Don't you know the culture? Like, don't you know how we're supposed to practice uh, uh, when we're, you know, what we're supposed to do when we're around these, like, these less than people? Jesus' reply to them when they say this to him in John 4, 34 was my food, my food is to, the will, to do the will of the one who sent me, to accomplish his work. Do you say that yet there are four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. You know, food is for our body's sustenance. 
food fuels our flesh. A good meal will recharge your body. When we consume junk, when we fill our bodies with garbage, it will render us ineffective. It can cause us to become sickly. But the right kind of fuel for your body gives you energy. It strengthens you. Food for our spirit, the right kind of food to fuel our spirit is to seek to do the will of the Father. Jesus showed up to this well and he was physically tired. He was weary from this long walk from Jerusalem up to Samaria. But he simply sought to do the will of the Father. He he sought to have the Father's will accomplished through him, and it gave his spirit the sustenance that he really needed. Jesus recognized that this uh, Samaritan woman's broken, rejected, lonely heart, it was ripe for harvest. And he doesn't tell her, go back to your house and clean yourself up and then come out and I will share living water with you. He meets her right where she is. He meets her right in the midst of her rejection and probably a humiliating part of the day when she had to go to the well alone. Jesus knew her soul thirsted for more than what this life had given her. So he told her this in verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus told this woman about salvation and he explains to her the nature of the living water that he can provide. And he tells her by speaking about salvation and he he equates it to well water. Well water versus living water. And Jesus is giving her an example that salvation is not obtained or retained through the work that we can produce in our life, through our human efforts. Most of our human efforts that that we accomplish in our life, they're just attempts to fill the natural longing that we have for God. We were made for God. And we are restless until we find our rest in God. The material things, the things that have been created, they can never take the place of our relationship with the Lord. Our ultimate purpose, our chief end as created beings is to know, to serve, to worship our creator, to to glorify our God to enjoy an everlasting relationship with him for all of eternity. This Samaritan woman's history, it reveals to us that she was was likely seeking fulfillment and rest in relationships in her life. And unfortunately, her pursuit of relationship was, it was misplaced in unsatisfying, immoral, earthly relationships. Not a relationship with God. But Jesus sees through all of that. Jesus sees her where she's at, and he offers her salvation. He offers her an everlasting, always fulfilling relationship. He doesn't just 
offer her this free ticket out of hell. He doesn't offer her an opportunity to just go right on living the same unfulfilling life of a downtrodden exile wrapped up in bondage and life circumstance. Jesus came to free her from everything. The living water that he provides frees her of any need to seek the approval of others. The salvation that Jesus offers frees her from the lie of being unwanted. The lie that she is undesirable. The lie that she isn't good enough. And Jesus breaks every chain that would hold her in captivity to this belief that she's repulsive, to this belief that she's better off alone because of the Father's love, because of drinking of this living water. This woman is no longer defined by any of these lies she's believed. She's now a new creation in Christ. And none of these sins that have marred her existence are true of who she is. You know, if you are in Christ then you have been made a new creation. And the lies that have been told to you, the lies that have been spoken over you, the bondage of the sins of your past, Jesus has already freed you from them. You just have to walk in the new identity that he's giving you. He gave you a new identity when he washed you with his blood and made you white as snow. He made you a citizen of the kingdom of heaven when you said yes to giving him your life. When the Samaritan woman realizes that the love of Jesus is beyond sufficient, that Jesus' love for us, his crown of all creation, that it's abundant, it's bigger and louder and more satisfying than anything else that this life could offer us. And it causes her, it causes her to be moved with gratitude. And her excited gratitude moves her to taking action. John chapter four, verse 28 says, so the woman left her jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. This woman, she came to the well to accomplish a task. She showed up there with a specific intention. She was there to get some water. Now, this, I know that, like, we just can, most of us, some of you guys live dry, but, you know, some of us, most of the people in here, we just turn on the faucet. We don't think about getting water. It's not that hard. This was a huge task at this time for people. This is something she had to do every day just so she could survive. She was so excited to tell other people about Jesus. She was so excited to tell of the living water that she had tasted that she jumps up and she leaves her water jar behind. Now, she didn't just forget about her daily chore of fetching water. 
just so she could stay hydrated, she left behind a tool that was of great value to her. She leaves behind her water pot. This was something that was vital for her survival. And whatever social stigma that had defined her before and held her in bondage up until this point in her life, it's shattered by her excitement over receiving resurrection life from her Messiah. In fact, she uses the freedom that Jesus provides for her of her past exploits as a reason to go and tell people to listen to her testimony and a reason for them to come and meet the Messiah. I could imagine her jumping up and skipping joyfully into town, exclaiming to everyone she encountered in the village of Sychar, everyone she could search out of the gratitude that she has for Jesus in this moment, the gratitude that she has for the testimony that she's given her, and that gratitude, it brings other people out to the well so that they too can meet the Messiah. This woman's life was flipped and turned upside down and she embraced her hunger to see the will of God flow through her life. She embraced this intrinsic longing that that I think we all have as an image bearer created in the image of God for righteousness. We have a longing for righteousness that we can't fulfill unless we know Jesus. And this hopeless outcast, she now has found freedom for her life. She she found herself in a place of being fully known. Everything in her life was fully known by Jesus. He knew every sin that darkened her history. And still, he fully loved her. He still chose to give her living water. When she probably felt like her life was a great disappointment, and she felt like, There was nothing of significance or value to offer others in her life. And Jesus restores to her dignity and value, and it marks her. It immediately changes her life. Immediately, she lifts her countenance, and she's moved from death to life, and now she is full. She's bursting with gratitude. And it doesn't matter where you find yourself today. It doesn't matter what season of life that you find yourself in. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from. Jesus would still offer you today living water. There is still an open invitation for you right now to partake in the living water that Jesus wants to give you. Jesus wants to make your story a story of redemption. And that should cause you to be moved with gratitude. It doesn't matter what season of life you're in. The whole Your whole world could be falling apart. Everything could just seem wrong and bad at this point in time. But if you know Jesus, there's something to be grateful for. If you have been born again, if you have partaken of the living water that Jesus offers, that only Jesus can provide you, you can be grateful if you know Jesus. You know, you could, you could literally be starving right now, not having eaten for weeks, feeling as though you may be like just dying of hunger pains, and you can still find a reason to be grateful because Jesus has saved you from something. And he, if, if Jesus has saved you from something, he saved you to something. Yeah. 
Yes. You know, it's really, it's a good thing to find ourselves hungry. Hunger pains are actually a gift that God gives us because hunger reveals something to you. It reveals to you that there's a dissatisfaction in your life for the way that things are. Very simply, if you experience hunger pains, it reveals to you that you need some sustenance. The pain of hunger says, you know, there's an ideal way that this body is supposed to operate, and I'm not experiencing this right now. There's an ideal way that God uh, created your body to function, and the hunger pain informs you that what you are currently experiencing is not God's intended ideal for your life. It's not the way God designed your body to function. Hunger pains mean that your current experience that your body is going through is not what God created it for. So similarly, when you feel pain in your life, when you encounter uh, situations in your life that cause you pain, when you get hurt, when you feel disrespected, when others put you down, when you're made to feel less than, when you feel like a misfit, like you're being left out, like you're worthless, like you're not good enough, like you've been ostracized from those around you, that you've been maybe labeled an outcast, the pain that we feel when we see a loved one not walking in truth, when, when those you love have rejected the truth of the gospel of Jesus in their lives, and you have to stand by and bear witness to the folly and the trouble that follows their life choices, it reveals to you that something isn't right in your world. The pain that populates your life should reveal your hunger for Jesus to return. Because when he does, we know that he's going to make all things new. But we shouldn't just be hungry for the return of the king at some far off future point. You should be hungry for Jesus to show up in your life right now, right here, today, and every day to satiate the situations that have been seared by sin today in your life. Jesus is the only one who has uh, the, the, the ability to satisfy the hunger that you have for things to be made new in your life. And he will satiate your hunger when you seek his face First, when you seek his will to be done in your life right here today, Jesus instructs us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, but seek first and most importantly, aim at, strive after, be in pursuit of the kingdom of God. Be in pursuit of my righteousness. Uh, find a way to do and be right with me. Find yourself having an attitude and a character that I would give you. Seek first my will for your life. Seek my face first. And all of these things that you want to see happen in your life, all of the goodness, all of the, the transformation in your life that you want to see for others around you, all of those things will happen when you seek me first. All of those things will be given to you also. What is it that he will give you also? What Jesus is referring to here. He wants to give you the cures for what causes anxiety and pain in your life. 
And he'll give that to you when you seek his will first. When you glorify God in word and deed, when you hit your knees in prayer, seeking his face, his kingdom comes in your life. His kingdom flows through your life. His Holy Spirit begins to manifest the goodness of God in areas of your life that may seem most painful right now, but you have to seek his will. He's the one who can restore all things. We have to seek the one who will restore all things and can restore all things instead of the restoration of things. In Isaiah chapter 58, you've heard me reference it here for the last few weeks, and and if you've shown up to our nights of prayer and worship, you'll know that we've been diving into this deeply uh, there, and Jeremiah is going to be bringing those messages home tonight with our last night of prayer and worship for this 21 days of prayer and fasting. But this rich passage of scripture is a, is a place where God reveals to the Israelites. He tells them you're fasting and you're praying. It's to receive pleasurable things in your life. And that's not what, that's not what I want. The way that you're going about it, guys, it's, it's far from what I would desire for you. God tells them, you're fasting and praying. It should be to seek me. You should fast and pray to seek my face. If you pray and fast seeking my face, if you are seeking my will to be done in your life, if your prayer life is moving you to action, seeking my will to be accomplished in the midst of where you currently find yourself, if you would just pour yourself out seeking to bring redemption for the widow and the orphan, if you would seek to free the bonds of the oppressed in your midst, if you would seek first my face, if you would go about doing my will, then I will work mightily in and among you. In verse 11, God says, I will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. When you seek me first, when you seek God first in your life, He says, I will bring satisfaction to you. I will heal all of those pain points in your life when you seek me first, when you stop seeking what I can do for you and you seek me, when you're hungry for me, when you you make me first in your heart, when you give me first place in your life, I will add all of these good things to you. And when he satisfies these hunger pains in your life, it's not then an excuse to say, okay, now I'm gonna go live a comfortable, uh, happy life full of all of my pleasures and fill up my calendar with all of the fun things that I can do to, to fill my pleasures. We should respond with gratitude. We should be gra- grateful to God and we should proclaim the good things that he has done by bringing mercy and goodness to the lives of those that it is in our power to do so. When you do that, you get to be the conduit in which the Holy Spirit can repair fractured generations. And he can then restore 
the fragmented families in your midst. Proclaiming your gratitude for God, for what he has done in your life, that may be the beginning of someone else's story of restoration. Do you know Jesus? What has he saved you from? Where has he moved in your life? Do you ever think back on those things? Do you share those things with other people? Do you share the gratitude uh, that you have for Jesus, for what he has done in your life? You can reflect on that right now. Reflect on where God has shown up and been good in your life. You should let the testimony, it should be a common habit for you in your life to let the testimony of your life and where God's been good to you encourage and build up those around you. Could you imagine what what the Lord could possibly do if we practice sharing our testimony? If, If you shared of the goodness of God with, let's just say you did it with one person, you made it a habit to do it with one person every week. One time every week, one new person, you shared the goodness of God with them. You just started making it a part of your prayer life. Lord, give me the opportunity. Show me an open door to share the testimony of how you've been good in my life. Like, just one person. This week. That's my, I'm going to give you that challenge. Can you do that? Just one person. Look for that opportunity. Not just this week, but every week. Intentionally pray that prayer. Make that prayer a part of your prayer life. God, it's, it's, it's not that long. Take you 10 seconds. God, open the door. Lord, let your Holy Spirit guide me. Show me one person. Give me one opening this week, Lord, to share the story of your redemption transforming my life. Give me the opportunity to share my gratitude for what you have saved me from so that others may know that that maybe the whole world may eventually know of your goodness, of your love, your mercy. You do that, and you will see God transform your life because you're gonna think on those good things, those good things. His will is gonna start flowing out of you. The psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 100, verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Catherine, could you bring me a microphone? I forgot to grab one when I was up there. It, it, it's right for us to share reasons why we are grateful to God. We should be excited to tell of the goodness of God in our lives. And this, la- this last week, I got to hear a testimony from one of my friends of how God's shown up and showed off in his life, and I invited him to, go go ahead, Mike, come on up. I invited him to share um, what God's doing in his life and just a little bit of his story. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Well, I think this this, um, last three and a half weeks of time, um, my intention was to try fasting kind of for the first time in my life, and see what would happen. Um, I did not make it 21 days. Um, 
I, I guess, but what I did, did make is I did submit um, to time to dedicate some time during about four or five days of a fast. And in that time, the clarity that I had without thinking about preparing food, eating food, what was my next meal, those types of things allowed me to kind of focus in. Our, our purpose that God set us on earth for is to glorify him. Glorify him in all that we do. Most of you know kind of a little background of uh, Beth and our family, but I don't want to go into the, the big story. I do want to share that a, a, a couple verses that really um, spoke to me. And one of the verses is, be not transformed by the world, or be you not conformed to the world, but be transformed by renewing of your minds in Christ Jesus. That last piece about renewing your minds is kind of where this fasting time and seeking God's face really shifted my thinking. In our life, we've had um, uh, family issues, uh, in uh, particularly one, uh, one of our kids, and all our life we've prayed for Take that burden away. Heal this process. Heal this problem. Paxson's had, he's our, our oldest son. He's had 14 massive brain surgeries. Um, he's had three massive spinal surgeries. He is deaf 100%. He's legally blind. And this is all due to a disorder that he has called neurofibromatosis type 2. Without going into that, you can imagine he's 31 years old now. You can imagine that a young man pursuing life and career, he, he made it through miraculously, graduated from Gonzaga University with a mechanical engineering degree. He's been a biomedical engineer, got this degree by being deaf, and he basically couldn't hear the professor, so he'd get a transcript and he studied through. That's what God has built in his life. We're praying for all these things. He's impacted even by something greater than that that was even more tragic. But that transforming of my mind to shift my prayers from, please, Lord, can you heal him? Can you take this burden away from him? My mind, God showed me to transform my mind by renewing it in, uh, with the mind of Christ is seek God's face instead of seek God's hand. Don't look for delivery from God, with God in his life. Me personally, dad, Mike, family leader, quit asking for all this stuff. Seek my face. So that was my goal is seek God's face. So I sought God's face and Paxson during that time was in the hospital. He had make, made a choice not to ask help, not to trust family not to be part of family, to avoid family in all ways, not, not trusting. And as I sought God and his face, he, he definitely transformed my mind. And that, that closeness pursuit is, is what I chose to do. And God showed up. In fact, what happened was after that history of Paxson in the hospital and we can't help, we can't connect. 
We just said, there's nothing we can do. We can strive to, to help do all this stuff. And it, it wasn't working. So God just basically said, let me take care of it. Let me do this. And finally, I had a hand that felt like I could just open it up and hand my son to God. And we got a phone call about a week ago, and it was a nurse at the hospital, and Paxson was in the end. He can't talk on the phone because he can't hear. And he was asking that nurse to call us in Alaska, and this was down in Washington, asking us to come home. After not wanting to be with us, after not wanting us in his life, he call, had someone call us to come home, to be with us. That was a miracle. It was a total miracle. And that was only God. And in, in this testimony, God has to be glorified because... There's no other way that this would have happened. There's nothing we could have done. That was a, a total God thing that happened. And I'm just, I, I just want to praise God for that because he showed up when I sought his face. And the interesting thing in that theme is that's, that's what God showed me. That's what showed multiple people that I visited with, with the seeking God's face. I hear Cody saying it all the time. I, there, there's been some awesome things that have been happening and I've, I've written things down and as I wrote them, even last week's sermon, I was writing these things down and looking up these verses and guess what Cody said right after I wrote them down? The same stuff. It was the same scripture. He said, oh, by the way, let's look into this scripture. I just looked it up and wrote it down before he even talked about it. I was like, wow, this is pretty sweet. I, I was so much encouraged and in that message of hope and deliverance and answering of God and seeing God's face, these, these evenings of prayer and seeking him, I, I just have to sh finish up with this past part. Uh, there's so much to tell you, but I, I'm limited. Cody said, you got five minutes. So I'm, I'm probably already gone over it, but no, I just have to, have to tell you this too. Last week uh, on Monday after the sermon... Um, on Monday, Sunday or Monday came in to the, the prayer time. And again, the other piece that I feel like God's taught me is quit saying so much, quit telling me so much, just listen a little bit, Mike, that that's the other part that, that I feel like God is transforming me is in your time of prayer, quit just talking, quit talking to me, let me talk to you. So that was another piece that I really felt like I was being impacted. And I, I did that. I was dedicated to, to listen. If I'm seeking his face, he's got something, something to tell me. So I, I, I was sitting over there in the chair and just listening. And I, I prayed in, in that. I'm just going to listen and I, I need you. And I closed my eyes as that was happening and I, I literally felt and saw this. And this sounds, sometimes people can't um, imagine and they can't accept that you see things. But th this was very vivid to me. And I felt that I was standing with Jesus and that he just embraced me. He just gave me a big embrace. And 
there were words that he told me at that time, at that embracement. And I couldn't help but when I kind of um, opened, well, just thought about what just happened, I couldn't help but write it down. And so I just wrote it down. And here's what my experience was when I sought his face and I listened to him. He said that your God, he said, I am refreshing like a bubbling spring of fresh water. I'm renewing to make things new again. I'm reviving and bringing new life into what's present. I'm, okay, I'm embracing, this is what I wrote too, because that was the, the vision I had, is embracing living arms around me. He's relentless, or I am relentless. His pursuit of love was toward me, especially in broken and dark times, but continuously pursuing. That's the relentless part. Relational and relationships. His desire is a relationship with me. And then finally, refining, making me more, cleansing, cleaning me, purifying, releasing toxic attitudes and thoughts and behaviors. And that's an ongoing piece. So those R words were interesting yeah. because everyone was an R word, refreshing, renewing, reviving, relentless, relational, and refining. And that's just a testimony. You know, so, so many times we have, I've fought with the, the thought of, um, we are given a spirit of boldness, not of timidity. And my whole life, I, I was a pretty shy person. I can't believe I ever became a teacher because that's what I do every day. I talk. I, I could never imagine that. But that, that boldness, boldness is something that we all need to be encouraged. That's the spirit that God put in us. And we need to be bold and we need to not be fearful and we need to express God's goodness. And so that's why I'm choosing to be grateful and sharing my gratitude. Yeah. Um, even though when Cody asked me to do this, I first thought, no, no, I don't want to do that. But you know what? We're called in our pursuit of Christ and his purpose in our life is to glorify him. Yeah. And hopefully that's encouraging for other people to reach out, share testimony, encourage our community because our community longs for missing things. Yeah. And we know what they're yeah. missing. And we want to be a, a, you know, an arm of the Lord to reach our community. So, you know, I encourage us all to be bold, step out, share the glorification that God is, and we want to glorify him in what we say and do. And so, anyway, I'm blessed. Our family is blessed. And um, it's just been neat to see that um, answer. God met me when I was struggling deep, dark. And I just, he just renewed my mind in a different focus. And it was so cool to see an answer of prayer. So many times it hasn't been answered. And I feel like this time it really was. So Amen. anyway. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for sharing your boldness and your testimony. That is what God can do. You worship him, you can come on up. That's what God can do when you surrender your heart to him first and when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I've got to say a quick little thing about fasting. I, I know I said it the first week and I gave 
a lot of instruction right before we jumped into this. But first of all, I actually want to say I've been so encouraged by how many of you have like, hey, I'm participating in, in this little way or that little way. And, you know, I've had to, I had to talk some of you down from the ledge like, oh, I, I don't want to break this fast, but man, I just, I can't do it. Like, I'm having, I'm having some problems. You know, it's not about how the, the grand acts that we can make. It, it's your heart surrendered before the Lord. And just you saying, hey, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up this little thing for this period of time because in giving up that little thing, it's going to enable me to seek God's face more. That's all, all the Lord wants. He wants to know that you're seeking him. He wants you to, to make that choice to seek him more. It's about your heart's orientation to God. It's not about what you can do or what you can not do or what you can give up. Know, knowing that some of you are participating with me, or many of you, it's, it's been a great encouragement to me. I want you to think, how has God moved in your life? And when you've sought his face, when you've sought his face in your life, has he transformed things in your life that only he could transform? What, what are you grateful to God for today? How, would you, would you be bold enough to stand up and share it with the body? Would you, would you stand up and build up the body by sharing what the Lord has done in your life? I want to give you the opportunity. We, we have, we're going to worship the Lord together this morning. We've got about 25 more minutes before our time is up and we need to release the kids. But as we worship together, we're going to have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to come up and, and proclaim your gratitude to God. As we praise him, as we worship him, we want to encourage one another. And this, is, this isn't your opportunity for preaching a sermon. If that's something that's on your heart, if that's something that you think the Lord is calling you to do, please come and talk to me. Like I could use a Sunday off here and there. So, so I, I will like, we'll work on that. That's not what we're doing right now because we want to make sure that others have an opportunity to share what God's doing in their lives. And this isn't a time to jump on a, on a soapbox issue for you. Share the goodness of God in your life. Share how God has been good in your life. You, you can just come up and just come up and throw it down. While we're worshiping, come over, talk to me. And I'll give you the microphone. I've actually already got one person that's, they, they were like sensing from the Lord, like, I need to share. I was like, perfect. You, you, you already know the plans. So come over. I'll give you the microphone when, we're, when the, when we go transition from one song to another, or when the worship comes down, we'll send you up because we want, and, and you know, be mindful because we want to give other people an opportunity. Don't belabor the point. It can simply, you can just simply, I am grateful to God because this is what he's done in my life. Just throw it down. Edify the body. Tell us what he has done in your life. Where has he shown up and been good in your life? And give him glory for what he's done. And hopefully we'll give the next person some time to encourage us as well. And you know what? If this idea of gratitude is just rottenness to your bones this morning, if you are just currently so bogged down by the trials of life, we have a prayer team. They're going to be in the back by the cross. 
They want to. They're seeking to fight these battles with you. We have people that want to lift you up and bear these burdens. You should not leave here today without finding freedom from the things that are weighing you down. You should not leave here today not having a reason to be grateful to God. Let's stand and worship our good Father in heaven. testify right now that God has transformed my life. I've had a few sessions with a beautiful woman here that just pours the Holy Spirit into the cracks, the crevices, the things that have kept me bound my whole life. A lot of you know I work with wild birds and I said to her, I said, I set birds free, but I want to set people free, but I had to be free first. And I can tell you, testify, that I have found that ultimate freedom that only comes from surrendering to the Holy Spirit. It was hard, <laughs> I gotta tell you, but I was bound. And this song just speaks the lyrics that let's just keep singing and I'll shut up now. But I'm just so excited, I can hardly contain myself these days. God is good. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. Yes, you have. In darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness. God. Yeah. All my life you have been faithful. Yes. 
was um, opened even with 1 Thessalonians 5.18 to give thanks in all things. Um, I just felt really impressed. It was just a testimony of what the Lord has done in my own heart. But when I was in high school, my dad was sick, dying with cancer. A mentor asked me, Annie, are you thanking God in this circumstance? And I was like, no, no, I'm not actually at all. Um, it was very foreign for me. And she said, I really want to challenge you. Don't thank him for your dad having cancer. Thank him in all things. And every day I did it with tears for years. And I can remember the first time I felt actually thankful um, and his peace came upon me. And so I just, I'm so thankful for that now. Thankful for the fact that he's with us in these things. And so I just wanted to encourage both a testimony. Thank you, Lord. Um, but that if you're feeling like you can't be thankful in it, you don't have to be thankful for it. You're thankful in it and there's a difference and he's there. And even if your feelings aren't there, he's, he's gracious and he understands it. So just keep thanking him, keep giving yourself to him in it. Um, and thank you, Father. First of all, this is not easy for me to get up here. But a couple years ago, I gave my testimony about being abused sexually as a child and how that affected my marriage till a couple years ago. And the other night, during prayer and fasting, this 21 days, the other night, Steve and I were actually watching a movie and an address came up. They said it and I looked at Steve, I said, oh my gosh. I think that was the address where I lived, where the abuse came from across the street. Well, like an idiot, I know that was Satan attacking me at that time, but I Googled it. And it did the Google where you could zoom and see the area. And so that was my childhood address. And right across the street, when I zoomed around, there was a house that I was abused at. Right away, I went back to that time and I started having resentment toward men 
even my own husband. And I heard him pray. And I got delivered from that. Even though I'm wanting to cry right now, I really do have to thank God for, I guess, bringing that up again where my husband could take me back to the time where I actually got delivered a couple years ago. And I don't ever want to experience that time again, but God did do that that night for me. And I just praise God for the prayer and fasting that I was able to see that. Try to make this really quick, but that song always gets at me. It's carried us through really dark times. We had this one dark time where Paxson was in the hospital and we had been in the hospital so long that we were, I was starting to have hallucinations myself, seeing rats go across the ceiling in the corners and stuff. And finally, I told the nurse, I got to go back and get some sleep. So we went back to the Ronald McDonald house and we went to go get a couple hours of sleep. And I just told the nurse, please call me if anything changes call me. I want to be here if he dies. I want to be here. And um, so it was really hard to go and get out of that situation because you, you never know what's going to happen. So we went back to the Ronald McDonald house and we, at that point, I don't even remember if we had our kids with the other three kids with us, but we were in a room that didn't have a double bed or anything. We just had twin beds. I think we had three kids or two kids with us. Anyways, and so we were all in twin beds. And I just remember just crying out to God. I said, your goodness has always been evident in my life since I was five. Can it hold? Can it keep holding, Lord? And I remember I was in the twin bed and I got in bed with Mike and I just said, I just need you to hold me and tell me it's gonna be okay. And um, God said, I've been faithful. I need you to be faithful. And I'll tell you what, I will be faithful to him because he has given us goodness in our life and we praise him for that. And even though there's troubling things, he is faithful and good and we bask in his goodness every day. And I'm very thankful.
I was down seeing my mom about a month ago and staying with my sister and she's playing solitaire. I go, you know, I've never learned that game. I've just been busy with other things. Teach me solitaire. So she taught me solitaire. So I've played about maybe 50 games of solitaire. Never won. <laughs> I realize the odds are stacked against me, right? <laughs> I ended up once with two cards left, so I thought that was pretty good. But you know, if we live a solitaire life, it's going to be lonely. You're going to miss out. You know, just like Beth and Mike, you know, they've spoke to most of us here how to be faithful. I mean, it's incredible what they've gone through. And to see them always so faithful, I know they go through it. I know they have their doubts. We all do. But they're faithful. And I just want you guys to know that. You have, this isn't only you and your family and the victories, but it's victory for us too because we are blessed by all your testimonies. And that's one thing I've learned about this fasting and praying is my relationship with my wife, my God, first of all, my wife, and then with the body of Christ. It's, this time has been so precious. And you know what? Don't live that solitary life where the odds are stacked against you, but let it go. You know, I saw the scripture about the, the woman leaving the well. She left her, she left her jug. But you know, that's what God wants us to do. I just felt he spoke to me. He wants us to leave our stuff at the well. Stuff that we think is sustenance and so important in life is not. You know, it's her proclaiming who Jesus was. And I mean, it struck her so fast that she didn't, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. That jug did not matter anymore because she knew what was important. In Philippians 4, it says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. God has so much to offer us. I just have much more of appreciation for all of you. For my relationship with the Lord, it's another level. And I love that because it will never end. The, that well keeps running. It keeps flowing. And, you know, it just pours in us. We don't need the outside container. It's inside. It's pouring in on us. So I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for your goodness. This song I sing every morning. This is my anthem right here. This is my anthem. Get rid of that solitary life and just engulf yourself with what God has for you. You know, it goes on to say in Philippians that, you know, show your gentleness. And your gentleness will be known. People will see the gentleness that God has for us. The gentleness that he had for that woman at the well. The gentleness he has for my wife. For me, it's so precious. The flowing freshness of the living water is so precious that that gentleness, we can show others and it will be impactful. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. This is that dear lady 
that I spent time. I am thankful for the goodness of God. He's reminding me of multiplication when it looks like there wasn't enough. And it doesn't, I'm going to talk about water, but it doesn't matter if what's not enough is food, if it's any provision, money, health. The goodness of God will multiply what's in your hand if you give it to Him. So this one is about water, and He's just, you know, water is a big deal to us. We had coffee water, uh, snow water this morning. We, we, that's how we get water. <laughs> so this was in Haiti in an orphanage. We were doing a feed for a couple thousand kids and brought them all into a building, church building. No, 1,000, sorry, 1,000 kids in a very small building, much smaller than this one. And they're on little wooden narrow benches, little cheek to cheek on these benches, just children everywhere. And we had raised up money and they had a little box of food, each one of them. And the pastor was in charge of a drink. We walked into the building, all of these kids and these small igloo containers with very watered-down Kool-Aid, maybe four of them for a thousand kids. And I instantly, I thought, ooh, there's going to be a problem here. Water's a big deal there. They're so close to the ocean that it's saline water, and there's no free public water, drinking water there. And so they sell tiny little bags, eight ounces of water. Trucks will drive around. Um, and if you have money, you get water. If not, so when we go out, went out to do village work each day, we were issued a bottle of water. And that's it. There'll be no more. And we were warned, guard it, leave it in the bus, don't take it out, don't let it get stolen. Okay, so I had a bottle of water in the bus. So we go in there and we give the little kids their food. And um, of course, they ran out of the drink. And there was a little three-year-old boy just sobbing his heart out, just shaking in grief. And I walked over to him. I just put my arm around him. And I could feel his sorrow was not just that he didn't get any Kool-Aid that day. He was sobbing his heart out for his whole miserable little life. And it just broke me down. And I said, Lord, what do you want to do for these kids? What do you want to do here? How can I work with you? And he reminded me, you have a bottle of water in the bus. And I said, yes, I do, Lord. And they warned us. And he says, you do have water. I said, okay, that's all I needed to hear. And I had to have armed security to go from that building to the bus and back. I went and got it. And when I came in, I, th I didn't know what he was going to do. I thought this was way back in Bible times, you know. He multiplied all kinds of stuff, fish, loaves, all that. And I have one bottle of water. And uh, when they saw me come with that water, these kids mobbed me. They're just in a big mob around me, holding out their cups, throw pushing them into my face. And I'm saying with sign language, I don't speak French Creole that well. And I said, no, open your mouth. Open your mouth. And that bottle, I poured one swallow of water into at least a couple of hundred kids' mouths, as, as many as mobbed around me. 
and I kept pouring one swallow at a time, and that water lasted until every kid got a drink. Y'all know how big a bottle of water is. Amen. And so, so the thing is, what do you need multiplied? What is all you have? Give it to him with that open hand that Mike was talking about. Just offer it to him, and he still multiplies today. do really quickly but I just I felt really strongly like we needed to sing this song even if just once times once or twice times through I know it's 12 o'clock I know you're hungry um, it doesn't matter to do song. we won't go all day I promise last song and then I think Nate's gonna take us out we fall down we lay to hear the testimonies of what God has been doing in our midst, in our body. And one of the things that he's done in my life these past two weeks, three weeks, is that uh, last Friday, I just felt like there was a breakthrough personally. Um, and I don't know how to describe it other than I, I realized, like, I'd been living in some kind of a fog. And on, on Friday morning, you know, and it's like, I try to describe what that's like, but it's like you read the Bible and it was just words. You, 
I try to pray and the words, you know, hit the floor, you know, and it's like, I, I don't know what's going on here, Lord, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you and, and try to just pray through it and, and do what I'm supposed to do, but I don't feel you in my life. And um, I used to live in Colorado and I had, had to drive through some of these long mountain tunnels. And I remember it'd be blazing sunlight and you'd go in and, uh, you know, you'd have to turn on your lights and, you know, your your eyes adjust to the darkness and, and it gets to, you know, your eyes, eyelids just open wide and, and then you come out the other side and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, there it is. And it's not like the sun went away or it wasn't shining as bright. It was just as bright as when I went in. But I appreciated it so much more on the other side. And just realizing like there's been this season in my life where feeling like I'm under a cloud and then that lifts, it's like, oh God, there you are. You know, and it's not like you were gone. It's like I hadn't appreciated the, what the Holy Spirit was doing and who he was and that nearness and that precious, preciousness of him. And so if you don't, if you're here today and you're hearing the testimonies and you don't know that experience of the Lord, um, I could compare church to, you know, you, we were talking about bread and about food and Jesus being the bread of life. But it's like if you went to a conference on nutrition, and they explained the nutrition of food. It's very different than a steak dinner. <laughs> The information about Jesus is not enough. It's not to be confused with a relationship and knowing him personally. So if you don't know him personally, get to know him. He's absolutely amazing. And we'd love to introduce you if you don't know him yet. But let's pray. And Father in heaven, we thank you for this precious body that you brought together. Lord, we thank you that you're building a family, that you're adopting people into uh a place where they are welcome and seen and known and loved for who they are. And Father, I thank you for the gentle way that you work in our lives. I thank you that you don't come in like a drill sergeant. You come in as one who is lowly and humble at heart. And Father, you make us want to change. And Father, we thank you for everyone here. And Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, that you would do a Holy Spirit audit of our hearts. You'd point out to us anything you'd want to change. Father, we open our hands and we're willing to do what you ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.